Hey everybody, this is Kim C, and you're listening to The Year of Underrated Stephen King, a podcast that mines the gold of a fiction master. So welcome everybody to our sweet 16 episode. How are you going to all of my Aussie listeners out there? I just wanted to take a little bit of your time for a segment called Catharsis Corner. So this is a fun little zone that I decided to create as a way for me to air out and unpack whatever's on my mind uh, in terms of going through some of these novels. Every now and again, a couple things stick and I need to talk about them a little bit more because as I'm reading other novels, I'm still thinking about a certain character or I'll discuss something with someone and get new insight and new perspective and I just uh, need to unpack it and feel better and get it off my chest and express it to all of you. So this is a little catharsis corner where I'm going to talk about the notion of tragic characters. And lately, I've been observing, we've had some really strong examples in the past few novels that we have explored together. So after we talk a little bit about that, I have a Dark Tower update. I've got some plans, so I wanted to share them with all of you, um, as well as request a little bit of assistance on your end. Um, And then I'm going to talk a little bit about what I'm currently reading right now, which is going to be our episode 17. So let's dive in together and unpack what's on my mind in terms of tragic characters. So I was having a conversation with a friend of the podcast, Liz R., not too long ago about episode 6, Lisey's Story. So if you have not yet read Lisey's Story and you are a Stephen King fan, okay, friends, I need you to stop all of your things that you're doing and make that priority one, mostly because what I'm realizing as I'm making my way through these new novels is that Lisey's story is has made such a huge impact in my mind, much so, much more so than I realized. Uh, so as we're, as I'm kind of going into these other books, I'm thinking about it all the time. Um, the overall themes of love and loss and the kind of psychedelic Alice in Wonderland terror journey in, in terms of how it's explored and how it's brought to the reader the character of Lisey, but most importantly, due to Liz R's brilliance, the character of Scott. So in my episode 6 of Lisey's story, toward the end, I do mention how I was a little, not salty, but not exactly satisfied with the way Scott Landon exited the novel. So no spoilers, but... I wasn't super thrilled on how it was done and I was left wanting a little bit more. However, I this is why I love discussing books so much, uh, Lizar had mentioned that you need to look at it a different way because Scott Landon is a tragic character. So he was really doomed from the beginning. He was always wrapped up in the fate of existing and being able to transport to Booyah Moon and what Booyah Moon represents. So if if I'm confusing you uh, at all, (laughs) I do apologize. Please head back to episode six if you want a little bit of an idea of what I mean by that. But um, 
the character of Scott Landon, we don't have a direct narration from him. It's only through Lisi. She's our middleman. But what I did learn from sort of Liz R's analysis is really looking at the fact that Scott was always tied to a tragic fate. Um, he really, bless his heart, was kind of born into tragedy. He had a very abusive uh, childhood and a lot of loss and confusion and a lot of physical pain and suffering. And then he also has this incredible ability to go to this mystical, magical place. However, the consequences of that ability or of the, the payment for it is this monster, the long boy, that has hunted uh, Scott his entire life. And that's something that I don't think I realized on my second reading. I think I was much more focused on Lisi. I was much more focused on the magical realism of that the text is representing. But sometimes it's really great to revisit a moment that you might be questioning. And for me, the character of Scott comes to life in a greater way when I do associate him with tragedy as a tragic character. Um, and I really believe that that's what makes it so poignant. And I, I'm no longer confused or unsatisfied by his uh, exit of the novel when I associate him with the, the hand of fate as I kind of mentioned in Duma Key um, I think that the novel is much more powerful um, because Lisi wasn't necessarily tied to that fate um, but when she as her life is tied to Scott the consequences of being tied to Scott um, sort of envelop her in that and it's for a large chunk of her life. So I really view Lisi's story and the character of Scott Landon with much more reverence and I'm much more moved as well as satisfied by the final moments of Scott Landon's character, which is a revelation and I love that because a couple weeks ago I not necessarily set in stone, but I was pretty firm on my feelings of being a little upset uh, as to how um, the events transpired for Scott Landon's character, but now quite the opposite. And that's the amazing thing about uh, uh, book friends and Stephen King fans. Uh, it's always great to learn lessons and get other perspectives to broaden your horizons. But in general, guys, please read Lisey's story. We might even have to do a secondary Lisey story coverage episode because for whatever reason, this book just keeps feeding me as well as um, raising questions. And it is much more of an impactful piece than I realized. And as I'm moving my, making my way through these additional titles, I'm just so impressed as to 
how often I keep going back to Lucy's story or something will remind me of, of Lucy's story. Um, and especially the back-to-back -back novel of Duma Key. We have Lucy's story in 2006, and then we have the creation of Duma Key, um, published in 2008, but written right around the same time. Um, in my Duma Key episode, I talk about we've got a similar villain going on, titled almost the same. We've got a kind of twin monster there. But what I also didn't realize is we also have parallel characters. We have Edgar Fremantle is also a tragic character and I don't know if I realized that um, even on this second reading, um, but when I look at Scott Landon and I look at Edgar Fremantle and I see how both of them are tied to that dark hand of fate, I am really kind of awestruck um, seeing that both uh, both these men, both these individuals, are uh, tragic. Edgar is our narrator in Duma Key, whereas um, Lisey's our narrator in Lisey's story. So I feel the reader is much closer to Edgar on the Duma Key journey. And then in the final pages of Duma Key, no spoilers, but the entire novel, we know that Edgar is four years in the future, reflecting on this. But the final moments, I don't know if they explore where Edgar is present day. I think that the final notes are wonderful and dramatic and very cool. However, I don't, I didn't get a sense of closure of what Edgar's doing now, if there's peace, if there's what kind of life he has now um, after the complete 180 of Duma Key. So there's a lot of personal loss that Edgar has suffered at the end of Duma Key. Um, and then there was also a lot of personal loss at the beginning of Duma Key. So I guess I'm kind of wondering where Edgar kind of also seems like Elise in in terms of at the end of Lisi's story and at the end of Duma Key, we've got Lisi and Edgar standing, but they kind of have that blank road ahead of them, very much like a similar character. Like they're both in their own tragic space. However, I feel Edgar and Scott are really close and really paralleling each other. Except with Edgar, um, we his has that mysterious road uh, close to Lisi as well, um, where I'm really not sure. I'm really not sure if it's ending on a hopeful note. Lisi, the context, it's more of a hopeful space, but Edgar, I'm not so sure. I think his kind of reminds me a lot of Scott in terms of maybe that Catch-22 vibe of like, I am in the hands of a sinister force. I'm doomed and that's it. And I know that sounds really grim and very lack of, pretty hopeless, but um, I don't know. I, I think that the final notes for Edgar, there's there's a lot left for the reader to question. So the tragic character aspect, I think I'm going to be incorporating and looking for much more as we work our way through these novels, mostly because I think it's important. I think it's important to, it's helping me embrace the chaos and have that radical acceptance 
to a greater degree when we look at um, the hand of fate operating and rather than being nitpicky over certain elements if we look at the character and see that this person is created to go through the ringer of life um, in the kill your darlings kind of way maybe it causes a little more textual acceptance um, and textual resonance where you know like when we have um, just as an example Arthur Miller when we have Death of a Salesman and Willie Loman that and when you're reading or seeing that play performed Willie is 100% tragic he's struggling in every sense of the way. We also have um, Steinbeck's Grapes of Wrath. Uh, that family, oh my goodness, like it's just tragedy the entire time. We just have tragic circumstances befalling all of them. Uh, and there's little moments of light and brevity, but for the most part, they are examples of sadness, which as we all know, um, the reason theater was created is for an emotional response. And I think these characters, specifically Scott and, and uh, Edgar, really do push the feels out. They, they really cause that catharsis to come forward in the sadness and the tragedy, uh, much like Willie Loman's fate, much like the um, In Grapes of Wrath. I'm totally blanking on the family name. Please forgive me. I'm losing mega literature points right now. Um, but I, yeah, so looking at tragic characters is an important aspect of literary analysis. And I think um, I've been so focused on other elements, I've forgotten of quite a big one. So we're going to have a lot of that going forward because um, I think we've got quite a few characters who break our hearts in these upcoming novels and having greater acceptance and understanding that they're meant to make us feel that pain um, will maybe help us digest the text in a stronger way. So those are my five cents on Edgar Fremantle in Duma Key and Lisey's story uh, Scott Landon. Again, uh, I highly recommend, guys, if you are a Stephen King fan and you haven't given Lacey Story a try, please do so because I really want to talk about it with you. It is the most bizarrely wonderful novel that keeps me questioning and thinking about it and it's maybe one of the most important, I think, Stephen King novels of the early 2000s, if not the entire first decade of the 2000s because, oh wow. And Duma Key is right under it. I, I think those novels are just so rich and full of topics to explore. And the fact that they're written back to back um, really makes them twin flames for me in terms of how much, um, how bright they're burning and all the good stuff they have inside. So lots, lots to digest and lots to explore. So I hope to hear from you guys about Lisey's story and Duma Key and your thoughts on parallels and tragic characters and things I may have missed because that's my favorite. I love it when somebody points something out to me that I totally missed and it changes everything. And thank you Liz R for your insight and brilliance and different perspective because that's what this is all about. Sharing stuff and making the appreciation of the text grow exponentially. So that's my little um, 
focus on tragic characters and now I have spoken with some lovely listeners who have contacted me in regards to the Dark Tower and I so appreciate you reaching out and it's so apparent to me friends that Dark Tower is so important and so crucial to the Stephen King universe to the Stephen King fandom and I am aware of what a crime I have committed that I haven't yet read it. I think that I, I just am I'm really scolding myself here. I'm flogging myself a little bit because speaking with these fans, it just seems like such an incredible universe and experience and just a detailed, uh, oh man, what an adventure. And I, I'm really getting excited and so what I've decided to do um, after brainstorming my reading list for the rest of the year I don't know if I'm gonna have the time that I would like to dedicate to it in 2020 so I've decided that The Gunslinger is going to be my very first novel of 2021. So we're going to kick off this uh, new year with the first novel of Dark Tower and I'm going to get myself going on the journey. And um, But I need your help, guys. I need to... Uh, during these uh, final sort of six months we have, I need to pump some iron in terms of um, getting ready. Uh, I have been instructed that it might be recommended to reread Salem's Lot because Father Callahan is in the Dark Tower. And excuse me, what? Um, I am shocked by that. Father Callahan, what? So I'm. Uh, I'm so surprised and enthralled and confused, but I'm all about it. So I will reread Salem's Lot. I will... Uh, what do I got to do, guys? That's... I need your help. And apparently there's a certain order I need to read things in. So I, I appreciate any of the recommendations you have in regards to that. Um, but yeah, so Dark Tower is coming. I know it's going to be a little ways down the road, but I have a feeling we're going to just snap our fingers and we're going to be at the end of this dismal chamber of horrors we called the year 2020. Let's just try and hit the gas and get through it as quickly as we can um, and look forward to brighter and better days. So the plan is for uh, 2021 to kick us off for Dark Tower, but I would like to be prepared, guys. Um, what do you, in retrospect, what do you wish you would have done before reading Dark Tower or before, like, do I need to do Gunslinger and then, oh, forgive me, Drawing of the Three? Is that the second novel? Um, you know, is, do they need to be pretty much read back to back for a more enjoyable digestion of the world to get myself going? Um, in Everything's Eventual. We did have that really long little novella, Little Sisters of Alluria. Where is that in the canon? So um, whatever assistance you guys can provide, I so appreciate because I need to get ready. I want to get ready. I want to do it right. I want to have all the Tower Junkies recommendations and blessings as I dip my toe into the water because I have to do it. It's just something that we, I, I gotta do. I'm a Stephen King fan. I'm a, I'm an obsessed, drooling Stephen King fan. So I need to do this and I, I, to my everlasting shame, it hasn't been done yet. So, um, forgive me 
and uh, help me <laughs> get going with Dark Tower because that is the plan um, for the 2021 uh, kicking us off. So hopefully that uh, excites you guys and uh, will encourage you to listen in and I'm gonna need a lot of help guys because I know that Dark Tower is so beloved and I don't, I, I'm approaching these novels with more of an English writing craft slash fiction perspective and lens so I don't know what's gonna happen um, or <laughs> what will be the outcome with that focus in mind but maybe we might bring some new stuff to the table but I'm gonna need all of your help and I appreciate any recommendations of additional podcasts or resources or blogs or anything that helped you really enjoy the journey in a greater way because um, I've heard it's slightly intimidating slash confusing. I am intimidated already um, so I'm wanting to get pumped, get ready, and uh, have a blast with the gunslinger in January of next year. So please reach out to me with any of your recommendations, suggestions, resources. Um, so while I'm not focusing on our underrated titles, in the background I could be pumping iron and getting myself ready for Roland and um, the Dark Tower. So yeah, there's that. And then my last thought is our episode 17 is going to be my very first first Richard Bachman novel, The Long Walk, and I just finished reading the little manifesto Stephen King wrote in 1996 called uh, The Importance of Being Richard Bachman. So what's very interesting, friends, is The Long Walk was actually published in the early 60s, mid-60s maybe, when Stephen King was a fresh daisy in college, and so technically speaking, Richard Bachman isn't really alive or born or his identity created, but he's been attributed with these novels. So I'm, yeah, I guess I'm kind of wondering if we should call it early Stephen King or Richard Bachman, but we will follow the King's wishes. He is calling it a Bachman novel, so it is a Bachman novel, but I am learning a lot about the Richard Bachman mask that Stephen King wore for a while and loving it because this podcast knows a thing or two about masks and we fully support that. So. I'm excited. I've heard The Long Walk is one of those titles that many fans have loved for a long time, and it's one of the strongest Richard Bachman works and the one that is most desired to be a movie or miniseries. So I'm excited. Uh, I know the tone is a little bleak, and I know the descriptions of physical and mental exhaustion and dystopian life and futuristic stuff. I'm ready. I'm ready. So um, tune in for our episode 17, which is going to cover The Long Walk. I'm thrilled. I am really excited to participate in this Bachman experience. If you guys have any suggestions on what the next Bachman novel should be, I'm all ears. I've wanted to read The Long Walk for quite some time, but at this point, um, I've heard Desperation and Regulators is truly incredible, but they really need to be read back to back is what I've heard. If that's incorrect, let me know. But 
I am open to your suggestions on what you feel the next Bachman novel should be. I've also read The Dark Half, really, really explores the notion of the Jekyll Hyde alter ego kind of thing, which I think we got a little taste of in that short story uh, Rest Stop in Just After Sunset, and I really enjoyed that. So maybe Dark Half? Question mark? So I'm all open to your suggestions for my next Richard Bachman experience and I'll put that in the stew pot see what we've got going on because at present I am enthralled with learning about Richard Bachman and I just think it's so so cool so that's all I have guys this is just gonna be a short and sweet one I know it might not have felt short and sweet as I usually have transitions um, but uh, just yeah so going forward tragic characters we're gonna explore those um, much much deeper and uh, later on down the line maybe we'll talk about uh, John Coffey in Green Mile and his beautiful precious literary soul and um, other tragic characters that we see within Stephen King's works and the big impact that they make on us. So really important chunk of literary analysis we're going to be exploring more as we go forward and thank you to Liz R of reminding me of how important that is. And then, um, yeah, my Dark Tower plans. Hopefully I have all of you, uh, your blessing, my Tower Junkie friends and listeners. I hear you, I listen to you, I bow down, I respect you, and I'm all ears on wanting to do this right. Um, and then tune in for Long Walk, guys, and I am... Uh, completely open and ready for all of your suggestions for my next Bachman experience. So wherever you are in the world, please take care, hold on to hope, smile, eat something tasty, <laughs> or drink something tasty, and I will talk to you soon. Take care and bye-bye!